Today on Abounding Grace, notice what God can do in your life as you engage in intercessory prayer. You know, you've often heard it said that prayer changes things. Really, what prayer does is changes people. It changes us. It realigns our attitude and our hearts toward the Lord. And it, it reveals to us where we lack in that agape love. And it changes us. So what does it do? When you're interceding, it's a key to erasing bitterness, intercession. It it is a key to rebuilding relationships, intercession. It's a key of unleashing the agape love of God, intercession. This is amazing grace. We are so glad you could join us as we dive back into Daniel here on Abounding Grace. When we left the last time, you may recall we were talking about the power of prayer and how to be effective in prayer. We're about to see how it involves serious intercession. You may find it easy to pray for people you love, like say your kids, spouse, good friends, but what about those that have hurt you or someone you disagree with, like a political leader? We're to pray for them too. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, we're going to be picking up around verse 16, but we'll probably start at the beginning. In a Bible study, I've entitled The Power of Prayer, Part 2. And we're studying the life of Daniel because he's an example. Remember, Daniel has two parts to it. You have Daniel, the, uh, the, the man, it's the personal side. And then there's also Daniel, the prophetic side. And chapter 9 is the bridge. Uh, Because this prayer of Daniel is going to lead into one of the greatest prophecies in all of the Bible. And in that prophecy, we're going to see the unfolding of the end times. And so Daniel's praying in chapter 9. And we're using the New Living Translation here. In verse 1, it says it was the first year of the reign of Darius, the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, I messed it up last time too, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, learned from the reading of the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie in desolate for 70 years. And so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. And I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Daniel was a man, his life was bathed with prayer. It was a part of his life. It it was his life. You remember back in chapter six, it was his prayer life that actually got him in trouble with King Darius, that it's his law that nobody could pray. And what did Daniel do? He went back right back to pray. And so as he was praying, uh, he, it got him in trouble, but he wasn't going to bow to the pressure of this law that was said that no man can worship and no man can pray. His enemies, remember in chapter six, couldn't find anything evil in his life. So they took something good and they called it evil. Let me read to you in Daniel chapter six, uh, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God 
And the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. It shouldn't surprise us that we would find Daniel praying as we open up in chapter nine. He's reading and praying, reading and praying, searching and seeking. And isn't that what we continue to remind over week after week after week? The best thing you can do as a believer is to read and pray, read and pray. And that's where Daniel is. And he's reading in Jeremiah, most likely chapter 25. You can jot it down in your notes or chapter 29 where Daniel's reading about the captivity and he's realizing, um, as a matter of fact, to hold your place in Ch Daniel and go over to Jeremiah chapter 29, go over to Jeremiah chapter 29. And let's see here as Jeremiah is, this is where Daniel probably would be because this is the place where the captivity is mentioned. Jeremiah 29 verse 10, it says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I'll come and I'll do for you all the good things I've promised and I will bring you home again. Now I had these in my notes and I wasn't, I was just going to read them and let you jot them down, but I'm glad that I turned to this because this is like a precious promise because although we're not like the children of Israel right now in captivity, it, it does feel like we're being very restricted and things are different for us. And there's an encouraging word in Jeremiah to the Daniel's reading that encourages him that says, you know what? There's a time limit on the captivity you're in. And I believe there's a time limit on what we're facing right now. But then I will do for you all the good things I promise. I'll bring you home again. And so that's kind of a cool word. I'll bring you home again. But gather together again. And so Daniel, you could tell, is like super excited because what they're going through uh, is oppression uh, and serious uh, exile. And they were, in their case, being judged for their idolatry and their disobedience. But he's encouraged because it's coming to an end. And Daniel's an older man right now. And we read that his heart rejoices and he's encouraged. And it says in verse, in verse three, that I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. And remember, we learned in our study last time, just by way of review, that we're looking at what of the aspects of the power of prayer. And we're looking at the aspects of effective prayer and effective prayer initiates with serious worship. So what he's reading in the word leads to worship. That's why it's really good to stay strong in your devos, because when you're in the word, it will lead to worship. And here he sets his face in verse three. He says, I turn to the Lord. I, I turn that's, that's figurative language. I turn to the Lord. And in a time of great difficulty and a time of great news, I turn to the Lord. I'm excited. God, what do you have in store? Your word encourages me. And his prayer notice was directed toward God. And I know it sounds obvious, a uh, prayer directed toward God, but that's the definition of prayer. A lot of folks have a hard time with prayer because they like, I don't know what to do. I've never prayed before. I don't know what to say. But prayer in its simplest definition is just us talking to God. And, and so he sets his face, he turns to the Lord and he begins to plead with God. He begins to ask. And there are a lot of prayers out there that are offered that have little or no concern with God. You know, in Luke chapter 18, verse 11, it says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my income. You know, the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer to himself is the essence of this. He's not talking to God. He's talking to himself. 
And, and serious worship is a, the beginning of prayer. Secondly, as we continue to read on, we learn that effective prayer involves sincere confession. As we look back and he says in verse four, I prayed to the Lord, my God and confessed. Oh Lord, you're a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant. Keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commandments. And then you just kind of go through because we studied this last time. But look, look at verse five. We've sinned and done wrong. We've rebelled and scorned your commands. Verse six, we've refused to listen. Verse seven, you are right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. Verse eight. The, our ancestors are covered with shame. Verse nine, the Lord, our God is merciful and forgiving. Verse 11, all Israel's disobeyed, refusing to listen to your voice. Verse 12, you have kept your word and done to us and your rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been a disaster such as this that's happened in Jerusalem. Look at the end of verse 14. The Lord, our God was right to do all these things for we did not obey him. Notice verse 15, but we have sinned and are full of wickedness. And you see Daniel includes himself in the confession. And this is one of the strongest prayers in all the Bible of confession and repentance. Uh, it's, there's actually two other chapters that have very similar prayers and, and they're all chapter nine. So you've got Daniel chapter nine, you have Ezra chapter nine, and the other one is found in Nehemiah chapter nine. And the sign of a great leader is not to proudly and arrogantly call out the sins of others, but rather to remember that the spiritual leader, the real deep believer, those of us in the body of Christ would include ourselves. We have sinned. We have sinned. You know, we think of our nation and we say, we have sinned. None of us have clean hands. Now, of course, some of you would want to say, well, wait a minute, Ed. theologically, uh, we have clean hands because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you're, you would be correct. Our sins have been washed away. We have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're right. That's true. However, we continue to sin. We continue to fail. We continue to stumble. We continue to find ourselves in a place of utter desperation and need, a need to confess our sins so that we would come to the faithful and just God that would continue to cleanse us. And it's us. It's our church. You know, a lot of times you'll hear these people, you'll hear some critics who go, oh, I can't believe the church in America. And they're a believer. You know, not, we're not talking about unbelievers. We're talking about believers and, oh, the church in America, this, and the church in America, that, or the, the church, capital C, or our church and this church. And, and what you, what you don't hear is, Hey, I'm the church. So I'm the bride of Christ. And if there's something wrong in the church, I'm a part of the body. And instead of being arrogant about it, my heart should be broken over it. And you know, not always is my heart broken over it. Uh, it's a very easy thing to stand in a position of seeing other people's faults and forgetting our own. But I know this, when you begin to pray like Daniel prays, God will soften your heart. God will bless you. It, to me, it's remarkable that Daniel's one of the few men in the Bible. If you read through this prayer, Daniel's one of the few men in the Bible that nothing wrong is written about him. Like we don't have any highlight of any of his sinful proclivities or anything. It's, he's a man of impeccable character. We read of no sins, no mistakes, no stumblings, nothing of it, what's recorded. I know he had them, but it's not recorded in the scriptures. But the condition of Daniel's prayer is that he includes his own heart. 
So we have serious worship. Effective prayer starts with a serious worship. Secondly, it includes sincere confession. Thirdly, we pick up where we left off last time now in verse 16. Thirdly, effective prayer involves serious intercession. Intercession, I'll explain that in a moment. Come back to me in verse 15. We'll just pick up to overlap. Verse 15. Oh Lord, our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. Verse 17. Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help. I love that. But because of your mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act for your own sake. Do not delay. Oh, my God, for your people and your city that bear your name. So in the word, Jeremiah's writings prompts Daniel to pray. The word moved him as he sees the captivity coming to a close. God, show mercy. He begins to pray for the city, for Jerusalem. Let your anger be turned. And this prayer of his is not for him, but for his people and for the city that bears the name of God. He's praying for those that are around him. And that's what intercession is. Intercessory prayer is praying on behalf of someone else. The idea of intercessory comes from the word intercede. And you can think of it this way. If you're taking notes, intercessory prayer is you standing in the gap between a person and God praying for them. And you think of your prayers. There's a lot of prayers where we're praying for ourselves, but a lot of our request in our give 10 time, even tonight was praying for someone else, praying for someone else. When you're praying for someone else, you're praying intercessory prayers. And they're very, very important to intercede on behalf of another person. And I have to say that intercessory prayer has two sides to it. There can, it can be very easy. Um, as I was praying to, for the lonely and the hurting, I was praying for the fearful and the anxious. That was easy for me. I actually, because I was praying and I was being broadcast, I didn't mention names, but there were names that popped in, faces that popped in my mind that I was praying for and thinking of. Intercessory prayer, when I'm praying on behalf of someone, as I'm praying for someone to to see some breakthrough, uh, I'm praying for a family that's having a difficult time having a baby. I'm praying for them that God would open the womb. And I mean it when I'm praying for someone that's battling cancer for healing, I'm praying for them and I mean it. And, And those are easy. I mean, it's a hard situation. That's, I don't mean that the situation's easy, but for me to intercede and pray, uh, those are easier for me. I'll tell you where intercessory prayer becomes hard. Intercessory prayer becomes hard when I'm praying for people I don't want to pray for. I'm praying for people in my life I just don't want to pray for. You know, when I'm praying for myself, easy. Praying for people that I know and like, easy. Praying for difficulties, easy. You know, I can pray, forgive me, Lord, bless me, Lord, help me, Lord. Uh, We've got this situation. I need wisdom, God. We have this financial thing. God, provide for the needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And those kind of prayers, very easy. Hey, there's a brother in the church that's struggling. Lord, help him, strengthen him. 
You know, in Luke chapter 11, verse four, it says, and forgive us our sins as we forgive. Listen, this is where intercessory prayer gets really hard. As we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. So it's in intercession, intercessory prayer that opens up a new channel. Listen, this might be brand new for you. This might be a new opportunity for you to understand that God has a, a opening, a freshness and a newness in your life that he can give you right now. And that is when you begin to pray for those that have sinned against you and you forgive them, you release them of their debt. By the way, forgiveness is a big issue in your life. Whether you're watching online right now or listening in uh, on Grace FM, listening on a radio station somewhere, or you're even in the room right now and there's an issue about forgiveness, go to our website calvaryco.church and put in the word forgive in the search bar of our messages. And I've taught some very strong messages uh, on forgiveness uh, and, and, and there it's life giving. There's even a packet that we have. If you want to email me directly through the website and ask for the forgiveness packet, uh, I'll return that email uh, hopefully within a couple days to give you the packet, a PDF you could print out because forgiveness is so important. So listen, as we intercede, it opens up a new channel of God's agape love that will flow from him and through us. So we learn to intercede and pray for those who hurt us. And we learn to intercede and pray for those that have used us. And we learn to intercede and to pray for those who don't care, for those who don't want to care. And as we pray for our unsafe family and friends, we pray for people that have made decisions that have hurt us. We pray for those that have offended us as we forgive. And here's what happens. As we pray, our hearts are drawn toward these people. They're drawn toward them. And this is a key, really a secret to the power of prayer. When we pray for people, it stirs up love in us. And now you go, wait a minute, Ed, I prayed for someone last night. It just made me more angry. You just need to keep praying. Of course, you're going to be angry because it's still on the surface. You're still suffering from the hurt. You know, you could suffer from the hurt that you experienced years and years and years ago. And it could be as real today as it was years ago. And and yet, as you continue to yield, because prayer is a place of submission. Daniel, he's reading Jeremiah. So it starts with, I like to pray with an open Bible at times. And so it starts in the word and then the word inspires me. And so I'm receiving from God through his word. And then it draws me back to communicating with God from his word. You know, his word comes through me. It comes back and then he begins to reveal people to me. And I begin to intercede, not just coming to God with a list but I come to intercede on behalf of others. And it becomes very difficult to dislike and to scorn a person that you're praying for because you just know that God loves them. You may have a hard time liking them right now, but God loves them. Send his son, Jesus Christ to die for them. You know, without a prayerful life, we just get angry. You know, I can't stand them. I don't like them. I don't want to be around them. But in prayer, our words change to God, help them, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing bring them to the end of themselves. And then your heart becomes broken over the condition of the people that you're praying for, the people that might've hurt you, uh, that might be still hurting you right now. And as our hearts are broken, just like our father's heart, we're softened toward them, wanting to see God change them. And then what happens? You know, you've often heard it said that prayer changes things. Uh, really what prayer does is changes people. It changes us. It realigns our attitude and our hearts toward the Lord. 
and it, it reveals to us where we lack in that agape love and it changes us. So what does it do when you're interceding? It's a key to erasing bitterness intercession. It, it is a key to rebuilding relationships intercession. It's a key of unleashing the agape love of God intercession. And you respond today, but I can't, Ed, I can't. It's so difficult. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter four, verse 13, we say, I can't. God says, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength, gives me the strength. Does prayer really change things? Yes. Prayer changes you and it changes me. We're not primarily moving the hand of God as much as it is for the direction to hold the hand of God. You know, you see people praying, we're going to move God's hand. We're going to move God today. Well, really what's happening is you've moved yourself into a position of submitting to God, right? You're, we were taught how to pray. We were taught how to pray. It's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when I'm praying, I'm praying according to his will. I'm praying according to what he wants. And I'm the one that needs to change. And praise God that he does that work of change in us. And that's Daniel right here. As you're reading through, he's like, man, I want this city. Man, I'm praying for your people. Forgive us. Help us. I'm praying for the city that has your name. I'm confessing our sins. And I realize we're captive, God, because of our rebellion. So remember us. And he's not demanding from God. He's not ordering God around. As it said earlier, he's pleading in a position of prayer and fasting. What a great example Daniel is on the way to pray and how to be effective in prayer. It involves serious intercession. We've been in Daniel chapter 9 today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor's message is called The Power of Prayer, Part 2. Hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through the Calvary Aurora app. So, Pastor Ed, in today's message, you made reference to a forgiveness packet, and we're pleased to offer this to our listeners. Can you talk a little bit about this and how our listeners can get a free copy? You know, Larry, I have probably sent out the link to this resource on forgiveness thousand times minimum as I have shared it throughout the country as I guest teach at different churches and, of course, in our own church. It all started with our own church. I, many years ago, we started to see as the people would come up for prayer after a service or some of the appointments that were being made had a lot to do with unforgiveness. And the Lord allowed us to come in contact with this pamphlet, and we have given it out again. I give it out everywhere I go. I send it out, send the link out so you can print it out, along with some other links on anger on bitterness, because they all go together. And I actually did a Bible study series on this very topic, uh, the topic of being free from your past, because, you know, anger, unforgiveness, all these things point backwards. So I sent all of this when you request it. So please do request it. It's free, absolutely 100%. We want to get it into your hands. We want you to live in freedom. Let me give you one quick example, Larry, of what I learned personally from this pamphlet being a Bible student, spending my entire life studying the Bible virtually every day, not just reading, but studying, I learned the distinction biblically between forgiveness and reconciliation. And I know it doesn't sound like a big, that big of a deal, but there's a big distinction. Forgiveness is necessary regardless of the other person's uh, response. 
But reconciliation, if the, re- if the relationship is ever going to be built up again and come back together, it's going to require repentance for the sins that that other person committed. Again, just ask for the forgiveness packet as you email us today. We couldn't be more excited about the resource we picked out for you this month. It's a book by Max Lucado called In the Grip of Grace. The message of the world is try harder and work smarter. You've got it in you. You can do it. But the message of the Bible is something entirely different. In essence, we're told, stop striving and being self-sufficient, but rather land in the arms of a God who loves you and be refreshed by His grace. Dive deep into the riches of God's grace as you read, In the Grip of Grace. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. We want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses, too. And that's our prayer. It's our heart's desire. If you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we would sure appreciate it. This would be a good time to hear from you. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But come back next time when Pastor Ed Taylor will resume our series in Daniel on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.